25. Let's see who's here. So I'll just give it a few moments for people to uh, to join in. And uh, take it from there. Okay, we've got people coming in now. Hi, everybody. Welcome, as I said, to episode 25 of Words on Whiskey, brought to you by Irish Whiskey Magazine. And uh, as always, we'll go kick off with the news and uh, a little bit of news this week. Nothing nothing as much as would be expected. So uh, the Black Bush stories are back. Uh, so from the 26th of November, there's going to be 13 events, and they've collaborated with Rebel Chile. Uh, to do some cocktail classes, and uh, they'll be sending out some kits. So if you're interested in that, the cost is €12. They'll be sending out some uh, event kits uh, with everything that you need to take part. And just visit blackbushstories.com. In terms of releases then, uh, uh, again, Cologne Distillery have released their sixth of seven of their experimental series, a 10-year-old experimental series, which has showcased a number of different cask finishes. And this one, the latest one, is a 10-year-old blend finished in stout, oat stout casks. And I think the price is about 90 euro and 51.4% ABV, and I think 350 bottles are available of that. Uh, and then congratulations to Carlo Whiskey Society, who just founded. I think they founded in the last couple of days. So we wish them the very best of luck with their society and hope to get a chance to come down and, uh, and visit you guys and take part in a couple of your tastings. Uh, so best of luck. They're on the Facebook page, uh, Carlo Whiskey Society, if you can find them there. And then finally, uh, our competition for Powers Court Hamper. A uh, huge number of entries in that, a huge amount of interest, and we'll be announcing the winner of that on our Facebook page tomorrow. So we're going to extend the opening until tomorrow morning, and then uh, at lunchtime we'll be announcing the winner. So somebody there has got a, a very nice Christmas ga- hamper as a gift. So that's it in terms of news. Uh, I think uh, we know why we're here, really. So let me bring in uh, Jennifer here from Tipperary. And Michael Fogarty from Al Mulligan Shop. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Just getting ready there. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you guys? I'm very well. Very well. A big day today. Yeah, massive, massive. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been, I know for everyone else it's three years, but for us, like, it's four years since we uh, harvested our grain. So, like, it's, yeah. It's the culmination of a lot of work and a lot of uh, stress. There'll be a few a few drinks had to celebrate. Yeah, definitely. This is, this is only the start of it. I'd say when this actually leaves and goes out the door, um, I was going to say, yeah, we'll all, we'll all take the weekend off, but we won't because like we've only got Stuart over for another two weeks, and um, 
I've seen my calendar and I'm scheduled to go mashing or distilling every single day until he leaves. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm sure it'll be a great success. And then we've got Michael. Michael, good evening. How are you? I'm good, Sergio. Hello, everybody. Hello, Jennifer. So uh, thanks very much for inviting us to to help with this tasting, Michael uh, and Jennifer. Uh, Michael, of course, is uh, the man behind El Mulligan Whiskey Shop. And, of course, the, the shop is closed at the moment, Michael, due to COVID, but very much open online. Yeah, very, very much open online. And obviously we do online events every week as well. So yeah. keep an eye out for what we're doing. Join in if you can. Yeah. So though, if somebody does want to partake in those, they, they go to your website, lmulliganwhiskeyshop.com, and just register? Uh, just click on the big banner on the front page, and it'll take you to all the events that are available, and uh, you can purchase. They, they do sell it very quickly, but um, where possible, yeah. we can always try and add more tickets as well. Yeah. The demand is there. Yeah, and it's it's weekly, is it, you're doing them? Yeah, weekly um, we'll be weekly up to the end of the year. We've got a couple of special ones coming up between Christmas and New Year, and yeah. before that as well, celebrating some of the, the great whiskies we've had this year as well. One of them might yeah. be Tipperary, actually. Really? Yeah, I should hope so. Now you're here, so I mean, uh, Jennifer, you, you're you're entrusting Michael with your with your product, of course. So uh, hopefully he will do a sterling job on that. But. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about yourself, firstly, because uh, you aren't a native of, of Ireland, but you are from Scotland originally. You grew up. Yep, yeah, um, I grew up in Scotland. I've got a very confused Scottish accent, though, because um, I lived in uh, nine places by the time I was eighteen. So, like, I grew up beside distilleries, and as my dad uh, moved to a different distillery, we'd moved to the next distillery house. So, yeah. Like, we lived um, in Glenrothes, uh, right by Highland Park, um, in Orkney, down beside Glenfiddich, down beside Garvin Green, um, and we'd move around beside the distillery as went. So like, I had a confused accent anyway, and then I moved to Ireland, and like, I just lost my, my poor accent, lost all hope. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. When did you end up coming here, and what brought you here? I moved here in 2008, October 2008. Um, oh. And I came because I had a job with an accountant's firm um, in the tax department and it was the recession and uh, there was no other jobs going anywhere. And I was like, there's not, I was in Australia at the time and I was like, I'm going back for my job in Ireland because if I don't go back now, who knows when I'll get, be able to get another job. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's how I came. And then tax is a very specialised subject. It's not, doesn't really lend itself to travel very well. So after I came here, I was uh, stuck in Ireland. Yeah, I mean, the tax regulations are obviously very different between Scotland and, and Ireland, or are they quite similar? Mm, uh, similar compared to other countries. So the tax legislation originally in Ireland was based on the UK legislation, um, mm. but they're, it's diverged since Ireland got its independence. So like, it's not like you can move back and forward between the two without having to change anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've taken a very different career path now. So, I mean, you've gone from a very corporate world with a very corporate company. Uh, and although you did tell me your, your tax is very exciting for you, um, <laughs> which I find hard to believe, but yes, that's, that is possible. I know from my sister-in-law, as I said, who's a tax consultant as well. But uh, yes, well, it's not something we share in common. But uh, uh, what, was the, what was the reasoning? Uh, what drove you to to change the direction, to leave the, a very successful career with chartered accountant you'd made director uh, and to go and seek uh, a world in whiskey 
obviously you were surrounded by whiskey as a child and we'll talk about your father later but yeah um I suppose I so I was an associate director with KPMG and um we had to make tea department we had a department like secretaries we had people that would like do things that I now have to do myself and I do miss that part of it yeah. um I miss this dirty monthly income but I think I always want to do something that was I always wanted to do something of my own yeah. um and MDLs could come in and do my job when I was a tax consultant like MDLs or an accountant either yeah. of those MDLs another accountant another tax advisor could come in and could solve that problem and I was mm-hmm. like I want to do something um yeah. and then I ended up um getting engaged and I married to uh, my husband who's a green farmer yeah and it just seemed like this is before the massive explosion in distilleries. Um, it seemed like it was a really good idea to take his grain, um, which had been his family farm, has been in the family for uh, at least five generations. And yeah. with my dad's distilling expertise, I was like, we could do something. We, we've got a unique set of skills. Yeah. Not to sound all Liam Neeson on it. We've got a unique set of skills to make this something amazing. Yeah. And yeah. So we did. I'm sure it comes in handy dealing with uh, customs and excise and revenue, knowing all the tax and everything. <laughs> so just, uh, yeah, it's just like everything. Like um, it comes in handy if you're talking to the bank when they want business plans. Um, like I file all our tax returns for my sins. Um, it, yeah, it, it does come in handy because you can just go and sort everything out yourself rather than having to look for. It's another less person to pay, I suppose. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's always good not to have to pay accountants and tax consultants. But, uh, but I mean, whiskey's in your blood. Like, you've been surrounded, as I've said, your your father is a highly respected uh, distiller, whiskey expert, consultant. He's been in the industry for 40 years and worked with all the big brands, really. And, uh, I mean, how much of an impact did your father have in your, in deciding to set up this distillery? Um. I think he had an impact in two ways. Like he he had an impact in the way that he raised me because he never um made me feel like I couldn't do anything. Like he always yeah. both my parents always made me feel like I could do absolutely anything. So when I was like I'm gonna set up a distillery, I don't think at any point he said to me, You'll never be able to do it. I don't think he's ever in his life said to me, You'll never be, you'll never be able to do something. Like he's always Did he say it. you were crazy? No, no, no. I'm, not he's I, I think like in, in hindsight he might have been crazy not to say to me are you sure you know what you're doing yeah um but he's always been totally on board with everything that I've done ever um so it's kind of his fault that I'm this way yeah. uh and then the other aspect is that he if I didn't have him on board I don't think I would have been able to get this far so like he came over and distilled this whiskey for us um he's setting up our stills right now yeah. he's organizing um I can't even like everything from my mash all the way through to my like he knows every single part of it intimately yeah. and he's able yeah. to convey that and I just wouldn't have known where to start even with the equipment yeah I'm, I'm looking at some of the some of the companies he's worked with uh let me see Bells, Edrington, Diageo, William Grants, Glenn Lawshaw Glen Wibbles, Shetland, and then he has his own um, malt whiskey company as well, and he's a director on Tipperary as well. So there's a, an awful lot of experience there. But was he um, supportive in your decision to decide? Oh, look, I'm going to go and do this. Yeah, 
Yeah, as I said, I don't think he's ever questioned my ability to do anything. Like he's always yeah. said, if I wanted to do something, I could go away and do it. Um, and so as soon as I said, he was he was fully in support. Before I think I ever suggested it, he was on Liam's farm going, this would be a great place for a distillery. Like the weather's brilliant. You've got the grain growing. This yeah. is a great idea. And so as really? soon as I said that I was interested in it, he was 100% on board. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you've done a you've done all the branding and all the marketing and all the sales and the daily organization and the daily running of the distillery um sourcing labels you were telling me everything. Um <laughs> I mean where do you find the time to do all those? I don't know. I don't know that I do find the time. I'm sure there's like people that feel like I've tried to communicate with Jennifer and I can't get hold of her. Um yeah. it's just it's just constant trying to make sure that you get the most important things done so yeah. that you get forward to the next day and the next milestone gets hit. Yeah. Um, and this is a big milestone today, but you were telling me you've turned on the stills today. Yeah, yeah, he turned on. So first distillation. Yeah. So huge congratulations on that. It must be, what, you set up the company in 2016, is it? Uh, we set up the company in 2014. 14. I quit my job in um, the end of September 2015 and we launched our first product in um, March 2016. March and that was uh, the rising was it? Yeah. Uh, let me see I have a picture of that somewhere let's so let's share a few photos um, with everybody actually let's go backwards and talk about the farm so mm -hmm. uh, I'll share the, the screen there for the do, do, do. so this is uh, Ballandunny farm in Tipperary um, it's been established for it's a 200 year old farm and yep. your husband Liam his family obviously have run this for 200 years and it's, is it mostly uh, cereals or is it mixed? 100% uh, tillage 100% um, tillage yeah they don't have any animals um, my my husband likes uh, he likes being a summer farmer <laughs> yeah fair enough but it's a beautiful, beautiful neck of the woods and some beautiful drone footage here. And that's just obviously, this was a harvest, I think, for what you're releasing today, isn't it? Yeah, that was taken, uh, the 2016 harvest. So it was, it was actually, do you know, that was harvested on my birthday in 2016. Ooh. So like, okay. my husband wasn't around on my birthday after I moved all the way to Tipperary for him. He was driving up and down the field <laughs> in the combine. Well, it was for a good cause, no? <laughs> you, you'd be drinking so sorry everybody here if they, anybody has any questions please um do join in and ask any questions that you have thank you very much all for joining us look at that we have some david and carolyn taylor from tasmania so obviously there are fans from all over you've got tina from germany ashley who i know is a, a huge fan of your products um and michael so anybody have any questions please do ask and we've been Enrica from italy hello Enrica. So a very uh, European worldwide audience, actually. And your product does have a worldwide reach. What are your yeah. key markets? Um, we're, we're hoping that America is going to pick up again and be one of the key markets. So we're sending a couple of pallets out there uh, this week. Um, Germany's a key market for us. Um, the UK is a decent market. Uh, Belgium, if gay hands around, Belgium. Um, yeah. Then... We've got a little bit, a little bit historically in Australia that we've um, need to have a look at again, and a little bit in Asia. 
Okay. Now, just trying to show some of the products that you have actually released today. So, as I said, it started off with this one, the Rising, and I think that was 2017? Uh, 2016? 2016. 2016. And there's a number of other key releases, but you also do... Um, you also do some specialist cast strength releases. So you're well known for doing single cask releases. What's the philosophy behind those, uh, Jennifer? Um, I, to be honest with you, I love single cask cast strength. Like I like something that's unique and is like a little um, micro because it's just a little moment in time. Yeah, like, I find it more interesting than uh, something that is that's that's meant to be I understand the reasoning behind like I've got standard bottles in my cupboard I'm sure as everyone has is like a standard this is what I'm going to have because it's yeah. a staple but for me there's something really interesting about picking a cask that's particularly special yeah. and showcasing that on its own and obviously you have to get the right cask to do that sure. um, but I just think I just think there's something um there's something nice about it. And there's something nice about the fleetingness of it. Like it's it's there and then it's gone. And once all the bottles are gone, that's that's it. it. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I like that. I think uh, Tina's asking, will some of the bottles be making their way to Germany or are they only available through Al Mulligan? Michael, are you going to send some to Germany? You can buy it from us and we'll send it to Germany. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And uh, Ashley Penny, uh, who's a big fan and really put me wise. Uh, he, he informed me of the, the Watershed. He's a massive fan of the Watershed uh, release that you did. Uh, he's actually a big fan of all the releases, but that's the one that he, he put me onto, and uh, fantastic whiskey. But what's the – what's the? I mean, there's so many brands out there, Jennifer. Uh, and Irish whiskey is really taking off. What makes you unique, and, and what uh, what's your philosophy for the brand? I think our philosophy has always been to bring it back to the farm. So, like, if you look at what we did, the first whiskey we had was sourced and we sourced six casks and we said, this is um, a little example of what we like in Irish whiskey. And then the next steps are rising and then the next ones, the next ones we released were the Watershed and Knockmill Downs. Yeah. And That's the one I have here. Knockmill yeah, Down, the 10-year-old. So, and lovely whiskey. Those were, um, they, they were cut to bottle and strength with water from the farm. And so we're trying to bring it a little bit closer back to the farm. Mm -hmm. Then the next release was uh, the single cask. And that was casks that we'd chosen ourselves. And yeah. then the next the, the next release was the pochine, which was our own grain. But it hadn't yeah. been yet. And then now we have uh, the one that we're going to talk about tonight. And yeah. our, our eventually our philosophy has always been to get it back to the farm. So to do barley to bottle but that's that's what we've wanted to do since we first started this um and it's been i'll be honest like it's been really hard going in and going and yeah i don't know how much confidence michael had in me but like he's him and shine have actually been really supportive but we've been going on and ranting on that we're going to do this for i'd say um yeah the past four years we've been going we're going to do barley to bottle we're going to do barley to bottle we're going to get a distillery in the farm we're going to do barley to bottle um, yeah. and it's it's taken a while, but like that's that's what we want to do, and that's what we're going to have. Has it taken longer than you expected? Or I mean, you do have a full outfit down there. I mean, you you're telling me you've got four stills, 
you can do from grain all the way down to bottling. I mean, the only thing you don't have at the moment is is malting, but you were telling me you were working with Athgar for that. Um, but everything else is in-house. Yeah, yeah, everything else is in-house. Um, I did suggest to my uh, husband that we got a floor malt input in and that he could right. just turn it manually. Um, and I got told absolutely no way was he doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think... I think he's probably gotten up on his plate with the farming side of it. But so, are, are you a believer of terroir then? Yes. You are, yeah. So, everyone that's not, I totally am. I don't know how. I don't know how. Can I have my rant or do you want me to? I want you to have your rant. Yeah. We need a good rant. I don't know how you can't believe in terroir. I don't know, like, how. I know everyone talks about, like, it disappears with distillation and you're going to put it in a barrel and all those flavors are from the barrel. But if you look at any of the whiskey wheels, yeah. So many flavors of those are originating from the barley. And like we all know it's not the same if I get wheat and distill it and put it in a barrel. So why do we pretend that the barley isn't impacting the flavor? Yeah. I honestly don't know why we... Why well, we otherwise don't. we'd all be doing it from corn. Like, well, it, it doesn't... It costs me so much money to malt my barley. Like yeah. I wouldn't be doing it if I could just throw in a load of like the wheat that's outside or the oats that are outside and get the same result. So Sure. I just think it's absolute madness that we all sit around and discuss something that's really obvious. And I'm really glad that Waterford have got the money to put into the studies to prove the existence of it. Because yeah. we wouldn't have had the cash. No, and I think they're very close to uh, releasing that report. I mean, it, it it does. I mean, if it has a huge impact in wine, of course, it's it's the bedrock of wine terroir in some sense. Um, I mean, the only argument is what percentage of impact does it have? And is it the one that makes the difference? Yeah, but I think I think it all makes a difference. Like I'm not saying terroir is the be all and end all. I'm not saying there's mm -hmm. not an influence from casts. Yeah. I'm saying that everything has an influence. Like it's it's the where my barley's coming from, it's how my barley's growing, it's how my barley's um then treated afterwards, like all the way through the malting process, it's how it's distilled, it's how yeah. it's matured. Like all of all of those things have an impact on it. But yeah. the barley is the base flavour, and you're having an impact on that base flavour. So I think if I think just to throw out where that flavor originates is yeah. disingenuous. And what about cast strength? Then what what's it about cast strength that's particularly uh, attractive? I mean, people love collecting uh, single cask varieties of, of whiskey, and, and you certainly developed a, and built up a huge reputation for the quality of what you released. Uh, but what is it that uh, is it is it the sense of offering something unique to somebody that's available only for a short period of time that's the single cask aspect but yeah. the cask strength is the flexibility like i think you should be allowed to drink your whiskey however you want to drink it and like if i release something at cast strength yeah. you can now the duty normally hits me a bit but you can then choose to add as much water as little water to that as you like sure where if i choose to reduce it to 47 you can't add in more whiskey to get it back stronger again i've added in yeah. that already so if i'm doing a single cast i like people to have the flexibility to enjoy that however they want to enjoy it uh, it's a bit like going to the barbers and uh, cutting off too much hair but then yeah. trying to stick it back on but yeah we won't talk about hair not on this show but uh, <laughs> we'll listen so look it, it, it's a massive occasion i'm really thrilled for you um you're officially now you know i think the 37th working distillery in Ireland, and uh, 
Yeah, we're at 37 already. So, uh, you know, things are moving along. I mean, what is it you're going to do in terms of, uh, I see that you're looking to change the branding a little bit going forward as well. So uh, can I show uh, can I show a picture of the of the latest offering in, in bottle terms? Yeah. I, I see you have one there behind you, actually. I do, yeah. But, so maybe you want to share, share that with us as well. But um, here's obviously a, a digital view of it which isn't quite the same but i think you've got the you've got the real thing there in front of us yeah i have so, I've, got, I've got my wooden box and everything so 280 bottles mm -hmm. uh 60.8 abv yeah and what else do you want to tell us about it uh jennifer i guys i can tell you so much about this and um, we've got a little qr code on the back uh okay that there and Brilliant. what it's going to do is it's going to take you right to a website that's going to show you everything that happened to this all the way through from when it was sewn, um, the daylight hours, the temperature, like everything that happened to the grain and everything that happened all the way through, like our fermenting conditions, our yeast, um, all the way through to when we uh, hand bottled it on the 4th, so two weeks ago now. Right. Um, and then... What we'll keep on doing is we'll do this for every single bottling that we do. So that okay. this is this is what I think is the coolest thing about it. Sorry, I will talk about this individual in a second. But the coolest thing about it is that if you look at if you try this one, yeah, and then next year, um, I'll have to have a think. Well, either I think we're in the big field for the one next year, um, but you'll be able to see how the weather maybe changed it, how different fields taste different. Like sure, it's gonna yeah. be really cool. I actually can't wait. Like we've recorded everything, we've put it out there. You so, put out the grain that was the specific barley. I think this one's Olympus, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it which, is. Which is really interesting to see as well. So look, the more transparency, the better. Uh of course, there are uh some contentions around labeling of uh Irish whiskey. Do you have any um thoughts on that? Uh is this where people get upset with me because it says Tiferi on it? No, I think it's no in general in Irish whiskey for actually putting too much information sometimes, you know. Um, I think that there is contention about um, putting different ages on a label, um, yeah. and I I understand the historical reasons behind that. I don't agree with it. I think yeah. that the more information that's out there for a consumer, the better. Yeah. Um, but I like I just think I think what happens with. I think people should be allowed to put on the composition of a blend they make. Like, because yeah. if you're releasing a non-age statement blend and you're charging a lot of money for it, because it has some very old whiskey in it, you should be able to tell people the reasoning behind it rather than, yeah. Hiding no. behind it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, there are, I think there are issues around labeling that are being addressed or starting to be addressed. But uh, what, do you make of, what do you make of the Irish whiskey industry as a whole and – uh, is there enough done to support distilleries? Or um, you're not a member of the IWA, or is that something that you were looking to to join, uh, or is it not something you're pushed about? No, no I'm not pushed about it. Um, it's too the IWA is too expensive. The way it's run just now, the IWA membership itself is not expensive, mm -hmm. but you have to be a member of the umbrella body first, and that is expensive. Um, right. And I. I think it's run. I think it's run by the bigger companies for the bigger companies. Okay. Um, 
I don't think it's run in the same way as the Scotch whiskey, the Scotch whiskey association, which I think maybe has. Um, but no, I could be wrong. I'm not a member of either of them. I've got okay. the impression that the Scotch whiskey association has a little bit more access to more information and can be more useful. But mm-hmm. as I said, I'm not a member of either because. I can't afford to be a member of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, just for anybody that doesn't know, that's the Irish Whiskey Association. But uh, yeah. look, uh, I think we should probably crack on because uh, now, <laughs> no, the thing is, you very generously sent out uh, four different samples uh, and we've never done, two of them are gin. Mm-hmm. Now, some people could say, I, I know nothing about whiskey, but certainly... Gin is something that I am very ignorant about. I do enjoy. Well, you you sent two gin samples. Um, maybe you want to tell us about these and, and why you sent them. Yeah, uh, I I was like, sure, I've got a chance to get my market research done for free. I'll send them. Okay, okay that's what's quite honest. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we are we've got a gin still in as well in our little tiny distillery, and um. My mum made these gin samples uh, in her kitchen. We've got a tiny little gin glass gin still in my kitchen at home in Scotland. And my yeah. mum does all our gin trials. So she made these for us. And these are kind of the two directions we're going in. So we said uh, when I was sending out all the whiskey, I might as well take advantage and see if people wanted to give their opinions on my gins as well. So gin is something you're planning to re- release soon? Yeah, we're hoping to get some out before Christmas. Now, it's only going to be, uh, like, we're not saying we're going to be the next. Um, it's not going to be a huge brand. We're hoping to do a little bit round to Prairie. Um, yeah. And I, I think the gin market is huge right now and very crowded. So, like, yes. we're going to do something that's local, something that if people come and visit us in the next while and want to try something that we've distilled ourselves before we get our whiskey, try our gin it'll be a nice gin my uh parents already have a gin company and they're very good at making gin so you should try our gins it is good um another botanical well look let's let's crack them open first so let's kick off with uh gin sample number one and maybe you can tell us a little bit about it and michael you can probably do the tasting notes on this or jennifer as well but um let's have a go what color is your sticker on that one guys Ah, I just have sample one. Uh, you've got the fancy tape around the top. You know. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, the tape around the top is the what? same on all of mine. I don't know what Michael did then. No, is it's your, not. It's just yeah. So I think it, uh, for those that do have samples, we hope you get a chance to open them now. Uh, for those that don't, maybe just um, watch us enjoying them. But uh I mean, the big difference here is this is your own gin. It's not a sourced uh, gin mm. uh, like the vast majority that are out there on the market are. So it's distilled by yourselves, and presumably you have uh, put your own botanicals and, and chosen those. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, my <laughs> showing wow. that your uh, tape is different. Um, so okay, so tell, take us through this then and see. So I reckon the first one that you've got has a spotty um, pink tape on it. Michael might tell me if I'm right. Yeah. Uh, mine did do, but I crumpled it up. But yeah. Okay. Very, very orangey on the nose, isn't it? Yes. There's a lot of citrus it off it. It's hugely citrus. It's all orange to me. I've got loads of orange and a little bit of spice. 
What is in it? Well, I'm guessing there's orange in it. Orange, orange, a pile of orange. Um, this one's actually fig in orange. Ah. Yeah, it's Very got nice. sun-dried figs in it. Great Irish ingredients there. <laughs> I've actually I've got a second one that is. I wonder. Um, I wonder if she'll mind me telling you. And ah, sure, I don't. It's fine. I'm drinking mum if my mum watches this, I'm sorry. But my next one I think is going to be uh, sugar kelp, like Irish sugar kelp. Right. Um, because I want to go, but anyway, she didn't have Irish sugar kelp when she made these for me. So they're fig and orange, Michael. Sorry about that. So what is sugar kelp for those of us that don't know? Um, seaweed, Irish seaweed. Oh, it, okay. Yeah, it's available in, because the issue with gin as well, that it has to be something that you're going to be able to get in sufficient quantities that you can make it again if it goes well. Yeah. yeah. Um, is this 40%? Um, it is, yeah, this one's 40 Yeah, but it's incredibly easy to, no burn at all. No, it's very, very smooth, isn't it? Hmm. Well, you could very comfortably drink that without any tonic or any mix. No, I think it's, I think it's lovely. Um, yeah, we'll see what everyone thinks about the the two. These well, are so far so good. I'm getting sample one very nice. My mum is getting my gym samples. <laughs> Easily sipping, stunningly sweet, very citrusy. Yeah, there's Alan. Hi, Alan. Uh, pink with gold spots. Ah, okay. I'm not sure what that is. That's it. pink with gold spots for this one. I think she's talking about the label. Label. Thanks, Natalie. Yeah, yeah. See, I had to check, right, because I actually put the sticker on the bottle I used, mm-hmm. the sample bottle, so I needed to check, which I didn't. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, that is, that is very easy to drink, really refreshing, actually, as well. I think that must be the citrus in it. I, I think it's lovely. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. Michael, any notes for us, other yeah. than the figs that you missed? Figs, are, uh, I didn't get the figs, but I definitely got the orange. It's very citrusy, and then when you when you taste it, it's not as bitter and uh, junipery lead as, as a lot of gins. I think the citrus is is more prominent. Uh, yeah. and I can tell that just from nosing it, you know. But the second one, I'm finding probably more. Oh lemon, yeah, oh. more more of a lemony citrus more than anything. Maybe lime, you know. It's, it's you get this. I'm, I'm guessing that's what's in there, but. Some really nice comments. Natalie saying there is delicious. Okay, well, give me a second and I'll catch up with you now on uh, sample number two. Um, See, Michael's got his wish with the second one. The second one has an Irish ingredient in it that I actually asked for, but I just can't get on board with the taste. I just, there's something, yeah. I'll tell you in a second what the ingredient is. It's mustier, this one. And there's more juniper coming through on this one, I think. Mm. It's not as sweet and citrus forward. No. Oh, it's more gin. It's it's, it's quintessential gin, isn't it? Yeah. More juniper lead. And uh, there's more heat off this one for sure. It's still a little bit sweet, but not sweety citrusiness. You know, it doesn't have that acidity. There you go. Michael is, Michael, uh, Michelle is saying it, it's much better on its own than with tonic. So that's a, <laughs> a high compliment. So, I mean, what's the plan then for gins? Is this something you want to continue doing? Is it, is it going to be part of the range of the family? 
I I love doing like I I want to have this is mine now, guys. This is mine. I want to have a blog called Gin and Tonic. Like I want I've wanted to do gin for so long. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. I love gin. Um, yeah. I had to fight so hard with the guys to do gin. They don't want gin at all. Um, but my mom, like my mom, is fantastic, and she did the samples for me. And because my dad is nice, he's agreed that he'll distill my gin for me. Um, so yeah, like I, I just adore gin a little bit. So the gin's allowed to run as my own little like baby side project because the whiskey is the big thing, and I'm allowed to just play around with it as my baby project. But it's always uh, because I love it. It's nice to compare them both side by side, so you can. Number one, and then number two, yeah. very different, you know, side by side. Yeah, Jen, I hope that's you. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be quick in this game. It, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I'll have to do Don I. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to go with Don I. Um, or change your name. Or change. With yeah, there you go. Can I have it with a G? Um, yeah. So the problem, my second one, right, is that I asked for hawthorn because we've got hawthorn hedges around the farm and I really want to include hawthorn in the gym and then so it'd be a really nice, like, it'd be a cool botanical and blah, blah. And it turns out that I don't like the taste of hawthorn and, like, even the tiniest bit of hawthorn in the gym I don't like. Well, if I was given a choice over the two, I think number one would be the one I would go for. And I think a few people are agreeing. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say the same, yeah, number one. That oranginess coming through is just beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Mick Power. Hi, Mick. How are you? Um, he's saying second sample has a blackcurrant note. I kind of get that now. Yeah, sometimes it just takes a... blackcurrant in it, but I get... I, I don't know what the... The berry flavour. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I mean, are you planning to release two? Uh, no, no, I'll do, I'll do one. Um, I managed to get one through... The approvals process. There's not a hope I'm getting to the approvals process. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and just in terms of actually creating and releasing a, a, a product, how difficult is it? Uh, the first one is is heartbreaking. Um, oh. The second one is a bit easier. Yeah. Uh, and then it gets easier and easier. Now every time you go to change things. So uh, when this this was hard, like, because we changed the label shape, we changed, we kept the bottle, uh, but we changed the outer packaging with the wooden box. Yeah. Um, we actually changed the packaging on the longer run, like, and it makes everything hard. And there is, so the first time you go to create something as well, um, you need to source product. And, like, that's fine when you're, like, so this time we just took samples and we took Stuart down to the warehouse and we went through casks and we were like taste this taste this and that was all perfectly fine yeah. um but the first time we did it we were calling up people and we were going to meetings and we were tasting different samples that people were giving us from their own warehouses and trying to find something that we liked yeah. whereas now we have a store of whiskey that we can go down and look at and we've been monitoring for the past while so we, we kind of know already what we're going to have coming up yeah, like I kind of know what I'll release next year already. So All right, okay. It, it gets a little bit easier as you go along, but yeah, your first one is like difficult. I can't describe it. I can't describe how bad it was. It was awful. Yeah. But uh, I mean, given a choice of gin or whiskey, uh, I hope I'm going to get the right answer here. Where's your Where's your heart lie? 
See, I think gin is like my, oh, this is, no one's going to drink my gin after this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Gin's a bit like my McDonald's. Like, I like it. Like, it's really tasty. It's really nice. But it doesn't have the same level of complexity as, like, say, if I go to Michael's, because I went there several weeks ago. It does, it's not the same as going to Michael's for my food. Like, that's just a different quality experience. Yeah. It's like, sometimes yeah. I want to sit down with a gin and tonic. Sometimes I want to hang about outside and have a few gin and tonics and not think so much about what I'm drinking. Yeah, you just want to enjoy the drink as a drink without having to labour over it and analyse it too much. But, I mean, is that problem now for for you? Can you go out and just have a drink and and not overanalyse it? Oh, I can have a drink, Sergio. You can have 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 one or two as well. But you don't have to overthink it or over-delve into it. I think whiskey is maybe a little bit like that for me. I find myself thinking about it and yeah. I have to stop myself. Like if I'm, if I'm out and I order something, I do find it. And then people ask you about it and people go, oh, what should I be drinking? And what, and it, yeah. it does, and which is nice and it's really good. But yeah. it, yeah, like sometimes I just want to have a pint or sometimes I just want to have a gin tonic and go I like, think about it. I think it's a little bit like comedians, you know, comedians are often asked to go out and they're told to say something funny, you know, yeah. whereas, look, I'm not working, I'm off time. So, so uh, Ricky Ryan is asking, first one is nice straight and would make a nice G&T. The second would make a great martini. Okay, well, there you go. There, of course, cocktails is a huge part. Do you see, uh, you see your whiskeys and your gins being used in cocktails? Um, it probably depends on the whiskey. The gins, definitely. Um, the whiskeys, I think that quality spirit is really important for a cocktail, but Mm -hmm. I don't know that anyone is picking a single cask, cask strength whiskey as a cocktail ingredient, like 10 year old, 12 year old, even some 16 year old whiskeys yet. But I think single casks, I don't know if anyone's going, I'm going to do a cocktail with this. Yeah. Yeah can get expensive then i mean yeah you certainly lose a lot but it's it's funny that oh that uh, i mean gin you know i've heard of gins with 40 botanicals in it but you still don't get the level of complexity in gin that you would get in whiskey no and i don't i think the problem with gin is like you you can stick in 40 botanicals but it's intended to be like a gin is a juniper forward spirit like we're pushing the box with the first spirit the first gin there that's um more citrus forward that yeah gin is at its essence a juniper based spirit drink mm-hmm. and like if you throw in 40 botanicals i oh i'm sure there's someone that's going to have 40 botanicals are going to be upset about me saying this but um i think you're we're complicating something that's meant to be a fairly simple enjoyable drink yeah 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 <laughs> well Look, let's kick off then with, uh, should we go with the 61.4% sample or the 60.8? Let's do the 60. Uh, no, Michael can choose. Michael can tell me. I've got 60.8 in the glass, which is okay. sample. So that's what we're kicking off with. Yeah. Well, yeah. Th- thanks for waiting for us, Michael. But yeah. Well, I have to say the... the um, they're lovely uh, sample bottles. I didn't realize they would be. I'd like to get rid of the filter off them to make it quicker to come out of the 
little sample bottles. You can pull out really easily. You've got big fingernails. You can pull it out and come away. Oh, I'm looking at the color on this. Wow. That's the, that's why I love it. Yeah. So okay, Jennifer, let's uh, first let's t- uh, tell us about this. Firstly, obviously, you mentioned up that it's from your own grain. Um, whiskey one. Whiskey one. Yes. Oh, I don't even have to put it near me, and I can smell it. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. firstly, congratulations. So this will be my first sip of your first whiskey, really. So yeah. so this is from Barley, from your own farm, distilled mm-hmm. by your father in Ireland and presented here in a very limited number to very few people that will be able to get it. So firstly, Michael, it's available 150 euro online. Is that right? Yeah, it's been on sale for the last 15 minutes. So okay. grab a bottle all you can. Okay, and 280 bottles only, so. Yeah, I think Michael's got 250. I've got some reserved for uh, charity events and things. But Very good. You're going to drink the other 30 bottles, aren't you? I do. <laughs> well, there's only 220 bottles for sale because I'm keeping 30 bottles back for myself. <laughs> so this one is... Uh, 60.8%. Yeah. So, per whack. Yeah. It is high. Um, the, van- the vanilla re- really hits you as well at the beginning on the nose. Michael, do you want to take us through the tasting notes of this? I haven't made any up yet. Okay, well, that's uh, that's good. Uh, <laughs> it's quite sticky, isn't it? It's quite, it's, it clings to your mouth. It's got a really good mouthfeel wow. around um, I've got no water in this, and I don't even have any water beside me, but it's always quite easy drinking for a 60-percenter, isn't it? Yeah, um, 60 would definitely be at the higher end of cast strength releases, that's for sure. But we like to say it's, it's when I say it's quite sticky, it's quite jammy. Like, you know, you get these fruity jam, like a sort of strawberries, a bit of raspberry blackcurrant jam going on there. Stick it on your toast in the morning. Yeah, it, yeah, it's 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 breakfast. It's, it's a breakfast whiskey. It's jam on yeah. toast. We've got these toasted notes, a little bit of nuttiness there, you know, a little bit of breadiness, yeastiness. Yeah, I mean, there are different on 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 the taste. I get different uh, different fruit to the, the ones I get on the nose. Like I got that get like some are fruit on the nose, and then kind of sherry, sherryish, and sort of uh, raisins right. on the tongue. Anyone who's got it in the glass will notice it's a very sort of pinkish reddish color. Uh, and Tina was asking me about the cask, and that's a Rioja cask. Uh, Jennifer's a big fan yeah. of Rioja cask, and I say pretty much every whiskey that Jennifer and Stuart have put into and Liam have put into a Rioja cask is that's been the stunner. I know, uh, and they've been they've always been well received. The, the Rioja cask, so there's no surprise that they put this in a Rioja cask because wherever they're sourcing them from, they're absolutely absolutely fantastic casks, and they they really impart an amazing flavour. Uh, I know. I know. Stuart back in the day, and uh, Glen Glasgow was releasing pink whiskey back then. Uh, <laughs> this is this is his Irish version of his pink whiskey, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if anybody can get look, I mean, that there really is a red tint to that. And actually, I see a tasting note here. Shaneen has given a great one: honey nut cornflakes. And Mick Power is saying rich tea biscuits, and I do get both of those notes often now that you. It's amazing <laughs> what um, other people will trigger off in your mind. Did you know it's got all these? It's a breakfast whiskey. This is what you. This is what. This is what you wake up for in the morning. You know, it starts your day off nicely. 
Um, it's um, uh, when in in July, June, June uh, twenty seventeen, and uh, it was disgorged on the fourth of this month. Right. Okay. So three and a half years old. Poor. Yeah. Yeah. Three. Three and a half. I've seen a bit. You wouldn't um, think it was that, was it? You know, like we've uh, over the last few months, we've had a lot of debates on our tastings about aging whiskey, and is it just a number? You know, in reality, if the whiskey's good enough, it's good enough. You know, but for me, you know, it doesn't really matter what age on whiskey is these days. There's there's so much choice out there, and I think this is phenomenal. You know, for for you know, if we call it a young whiskey. You know, but yeah. you know, let's look back. Jennifer, has this been the maturation of this? And we said Rioja is it fully matured in Rioja? Yeah, Rioja D one. Um, yeah. We we kind of we actually have a selection from we did a range of uh, everything from and Michael I know I've been on different things and Michael and my dad have been on the same thing and they've been talking about loving refill casts um, for longer aging but so we've got a mix of refill sherry bourbons uh, first fill riocas uh, porto and Madeira casks um, but this is a first fill Rioja and what we wanted was something that worked well at a younger age and I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think that's what we've got like we went all around all our casts and I'm not saying we thought this was the best one for a young to release now as a young whiskey yeah I would say I get I, I do get black pepper on it and fudge I don't know if anybody else is getting that no but everybody's palate is different. Everyone's flavour palate, and that's the beauty of it. You know, lots of people get uh, different flavours, you know? Yeah. It's really mature in this Rioja cast, so it's three and a half years in this cast. Yeah. It's it's an amazingly meaty, full-bodied whiskey, actually. I have to say, it's, it's uh, there's a bit of beef to that and a bit of texture to it, but it doesn't overpower. And, uh, and the heat up, it, it's not a burning heat. It's lovely. It's kind of close to the top of your mouth. It's really excellent. And I'm a big fan of Rioja as well. So. <laughs> I'm not more samples. That's because you were miserable sending out the sending yourself a sample, Michael. <laughs> I gave them all to you. <laughs> there, there's somebody else that's getting fudgy caramel as well there, Michael. So I, mm. that's I think that's the beauty of whiskey, isn't it? There's so many different flavors and everyone's palate's different. And that's the most for me is the most enjoyable thing about whiskey because it should whiskey is a fun thing, you know, and you, you shouldn't take it too serious. You should, you know, no. should enjoy it and you know and have a laugh and a joke about it and, and really have a great time with it, you know. Because if yeah. you're not having a laugh and a joke with alcohol, then you shouldn't be drinking it really, should you? No, what I love is though other people's notes and then you say, Yes, I get that. Yeah. You know, I, a lot of the time, like you, there's a lot of flavours that you can actually only taste if you've actually tasted and smelt them before. Yeah. If you've never had sticky toffee pudding, you probably won't get that, you know. If no. you were younger and you were given an orange and your parents told you it's an apple, you'd think that it was an apple. You know, it's how your your brain's been developed mm-hmm. over the senses. You know, you, know, you see whiskey people that say, "Oh, it tastes like electrical wires." You know, and I remember, I remember as a child, <laughs> I, I, I chewed a plug, I chewed a wire. I'm sure some people done it. Pencil yeah. shavings, we all chewed a pencil. How yeah. else would you get that taste and flavour? Because the brain has to process it, you know, and say, "This is a pencil." Mm, yeah. chew it. Now, what, I, what I love about this is the complexity in it. It, it. I mean, it really, and I'm, I know people always say you bring somebody onto the show and you taste the whiskey, but it, it punches way above its age, and, it, and the complexity and the depth of flavor in it is, is massive. 
Really yeah. massive. Very impressed with it. But that's, so, that's for me. That's the, the, the cast selection here. That's you know, Sergio. We talked about this the other day, and he says, you know, why are Tipperary whiskey so 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 brilliant? You know, and, and you were saying it is it's is it because Stuart has a hand in this, and you know, without taking anything away from Jennifer, you know, Stuart's got what 40, 50 years in this industry. You know, you can you can go out and do a, a course on distillation and do all the theory, but when you've got fifty years of practicality behind you, you know, it makes a massive yeah. difference. And you've got the contacts you've built up over the years. You can you can get all the great you know the great barrels. You know, you're not you're, you know what you're looking for. And for me, when you've got someone like Stuart there and, and working with Jennifer and doing doing this great to create all the, this product is amazing because you have that experience and. It's something it, it's it's going to stand tip really good in the future. Is having that great experience in Hampton and developing that and bringing that out and Jennifer taking that on board and working yeah. with her on that, you know, and a lot of other distilleries in Ireland are going to have to go. Well, we have to play a bit of catch up here, and we're going to have to learn. You know, it's going to take time because, you know, you know, you can't make whiskey overnight, obviously. But it gives, I suppose, the other distilleries playing catch up. It gives them a little bit of time because, you know, there's going to be a demand for a lot of different wine barrels and different barrels from all over the world so there's you know it's, it's yeah. going to be a, bit of a, a dog fight out there to get the best and yeah. at least the chipperated with shirt and his contacts there's 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 quite this is why this is so good at such a young age because yeah well look you can't learn uh you can't barley, learn football from a book barley, barley <laughs> <William> grew. <laughs> but i'm sure uh, i'm sure jennifer a lot of this you would have uh picked up and learned Growing up by osmosis, almost excuse the pun, you know, you you picked it up as a sixth sense almost in terms of what you like and what's good. Um, I think that I think I was lucky in that my dad massively believes in drinking whiskey and not stirring it. I don't know how many whiskeys he's got that he's not opened. Like it's yeah. not a lot. Um, yeah. and growing up, I I don't know that I drank cheap alcohol very much at all because he was um he just he just constantly um was like try this try that try the next thing um number one he's he's always been into sharing he's always been into talking about it and he's always been into um talking about what he tastes like i don't think i appreciate it as much as I should have done growing up, but like definitely the past few years, I go home and I'm like, "What's this?" Now like you that? do. <laughs> now you do. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, somebody mentioned there that your your single cask and your cask strength releases have been phenomenal, and you know, there's nothing to hide behind when you do a cask strength release. You know, mm-hmm. you're fully exposed there. It is what it is. There's no, you know, watering it down and uh, and kind of diluting the flavor of it and pretending it's something else. And uh, it's a very brave move as well. So congratulations on that. I think it's, I'm really impressed with this. Uh, Really, really impressed with this. So look, uh, Mike, will you be doing a, will you, oh no, of course you can't do that. The the days of actually being able to walk and tell Mulligan shop and and try a sample before are gone for the moment. What we can do is uh, we do like a 50 mil and 100 mil service online as well. So like it's our hip class service, anyone who knew the shop, I know the shop will be coming to get your hip flask filled. So we're, we're definitely going to, when we receive the stock from Jennifer, we're, we're going to keep a few bottles back and we'll put on the, our virtual hip flask service, which is 100 mil bottles and also 50 mil bottles as well. So people will have the opportunity to, you know, to, to buy it as a smaller 
uh, a smaller size if, if, if need be if they want to, you know for those who haven't tried it who want to try it before they buy a bottle um yeah. but uh, you know it's it's, it's it's i thought it was a great whiskey and it's, it's the comments are saying that it's a, it's a great collaboration you know enthusiasm bravery and experience all rolled into one and you know and a, a great farmer as well and liam you know it's 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 a great family project you know and that's for me that's that's why I love Tipperary so much because there's so much going on. You know, Jen says it's or some people can't get in touch with me, but you know, Jen, we, we talk on a regular basis. We've always got time for each other, and I've probably done the same boat as you. I avoid the phone a lot, but it's great when we get to talk. We, I've said this loads of times before. Our conversations go on and on and on for hours because we just just talk about whiskey and well, yeah. it's not the Scottish background, is it? <laughs> no, <laughs> the love of good whiskey and and you know you know cast strength and single cast has become a lot more prominent over the last year and a lot of people talk about it. But I, myself and Jennifer have talked about this about four or four or five years ago. So, you know, and, and I was saying, no, you should do loads of single cast cast strength. You know, there, there are people out there for it. And, and maybe four or five years ago, it was a bit of a, a lesser community, but that community has grown massively now. And people really do want it. Sergio, you commented on all the whiskey bottles behind me there. And it's all yeah. from the Scotch Malt Whiskey site, single cast, cast strength, because that's my preferred way of drinking whiskey as well. I really love it. Um, you know, so, and I think that's that's the beauty. In it. And for me, I, I just hope Jennifer keep, keeps releasing single cast, cast strength. And it's a bit easier for you, Jennifer, because you have your own bottling line, you know, where you don't have to rely on somebody else. Probably a, a pain in the neck for putting labels on and doing all that. But, you know, you've said it already tonight. It's it's a great way of drinking whiskey, and I think for me, that's what I, that's what I love about Tipperary. And you know, if you, you keep doing that going forward, you know, you've you've got one one customer here. You know, <laughs> but I, but I think what I that I find really attractive to the brand as well is that the family are involved. You know, there's so much transparency as well about the farm. You know, everything, all the details about the particular brand and the particular bottling. You know what percentage is that? You know what grain? You know when? You know what farmer it's coming from? You know all the detail about the cask. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure your father must be absolutely chuffed and so proud. He's not there now. We you decided not to bring him in. Oh, he's through listening. If you call him, he'll come through. Oh, right. would he? Well, he know he has a. I hope he has the link if he wants to come in and uh, share like- with you this special moment. I would have thought. It's like Beetlejuice, Sergio. If you say his name three times, he'll just appear. Will he? Let's see. Let's see. We'll try it. Stuart, if you're if you're there, please do join us. We'd love to get, get your comment. <laughs> and more as a father than as a distiller, to be honest with you, because it, it, it's a massive occasion for a father to see his daughter releasing her first whiskey. And, uh, you know, distillation starting today. Yeah, it's, I don't it's know. It's supposed to be the same day. I'd say it could be the distiller. Yeah. Oh, he could be, could he? I he snuck he, out. It's bigger. He's coming, though. I can hear him. Uh, okay. Oh, there you go. It's like that, like that BBC entry where you had the child in the background. <laughs> There's no small children for me to grab and kick out the room no. again. Good evening, Stuart. How are you? Thank you very, very much for joining us. Not at all. I'm, I'm uh, great. Well, look, you must be... You must be hugely proud as a father, and obviously you are involved in the, at the director level in the business, and you, you did distill this and brought your years of experience to this. And we're, we're just trying to get our head around how you managed to release this weekly 
that seems way beyond its years and has so much complexity and flavor in it. A lot of a lot of that is is very much on the cask you choose when you first lay down the spirit, and that's what's important. So it was right at the beginning we chose the casks that we thought would work well mm-hmm. with the spirit that we were trying to produce at the time, and then you know it comes to a final selection. So that that was very recently we we did our <laughs> final cut of from the casks that were available. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's very much all the elements, the, the new make spirit, the cask, and then making that final selection. I'm yeah. I'm laughing because uh, when the guys went around to do the final selection, I hear that uh, you were there for quite a while deciding on the final. <laughs> and in all seriousness, and yeah, it sounds, sounds like it's great fun. And it, it was a good fun day. But Doesn't sound too rough now, in fairness. Stuart, can I, I ask you a question there? I think you, 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 this is a single cask, so you've selected this from a range of casks. Yeah. How, I, for me, like how 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 difficult can that be? Because you've got this thing that stands out as really really good, and you go, do you go? We should bottle that, or should or, or should we leave this for another five, ten, fifteen years? It's going to improve. How do, you know when you're tasting these whiskies at that sort of age? How do you go right? This is prime for bottling, or do you go? Oh, what should we do? Should we leave this a bit longer? You know, or do you just go? It's ready for it. This tastes great. We've got to bottle it. It's it's more of the latter, Michael. It's is this is the one, and you know we we had a range of casts that we felt were good enough, and we wanted to to release one, and then it was to see which is the best one at this moment in time, uh, but very much particularly once they age further. Um, and they get older. And my business in Scotland is is about single casks that are old. And it's trying to get them at the prime time. And that's that's what will happen as we grow older in the business, as the, as the whiskey's mature further, sorry, then you'll you'll just try and hit them at the peak time. Now for me, that is a fabulous whiskey as a three-year-old. And awesome. I'm at least three year olds in the past and I think new young spirits that have come out the right cask are just brilliant. And that is a really good one. I'll I'll ask Jennifer uh, first so that you have uh, recompense to come back. Uh, Jennifer, what's it like in practical terms to work with family? Hmm. Um, I think my dad, I'm lucky in that my dad, uh, I should probably say we generally live in different countries, so we don't normally have to work with each other. Can't go Um, home now because of COVID. (laughs) No, I'm lucky with my dad. Like he, he generally lets me run everything. And I think we've got quite clear lines on where our areas of responsibility lie. So mine is the day to day. If we're going choosing a cask, I get Stuart to do it. If it's anything about distillation parameters, if it's anything about um, whiskey parameters, mm. it's or choosing what whiskey we buy in. If it's older casks, it's you. And if it's day to day, like um, we use Stuart's contacts, I take his advice on a lot of things. But day to day runs generally me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fine. And then when things like 
So it's not been that bad. We're three weeks together now. Yeah, I mean, the, the day-to-day things are the things that go wrong. So I'm yeah. happy if Jennifer wants to take all that. Yeah, yeah. And tell me, of course, Liam, unless you're going to drag in Liam as well now, is he going to appear through the door or is he out in the field? Oh, he's here. He might come. He's, he yeah. might come. Well, look, let me let me share. I, I, you were very generous. You, you shared some very nice uh, photos, actually. I, I just thought they were nice photos, so I'll just share them. That's uh, presumably oh, yeah. tasting you make somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the day we uh, distilled their own barley. Okay, okay, day one. Why did the Yeah. Hi, Liam. Hi, I told Liam. yeah. It's like people just around here. You say someone's name, and they just appear. Stuart, I, I love the color of your shirt. It's very nice. Which one? The blue one. The one you're wearing there in that photo. I think it looks oh, well. Yeah. Very similar to mine. <laughs> not in the same shop. Yeah. And, and there you oh now this is where this is in front of some casks somewhere but a lovely photo what are you drinking uh jen uh i was drinking a watershed cocktail very nice and um, that was a pure flip okay it was yeah it was lovely actually and liam's drinking watershed very nice yeah. That's on the farm, um, but not in the warehouse. It was uh, set up in a shed on the farm. All right, okay. But this is on the farm, this photo, obviously. Yeah. That's, a, uh, that's a great that's, photo. That's wheat, I think, actually. No, no, it's barley. Is that barley? Uh, yeah. yeah. Is yeah. it spot yeah. the farmer? It's not me. <laughs> uh, and there... Uh, sorry, now, you'll have to forgive me. I don't know the gentleman on my right. That is uh, Liam's father, is it? That's my father, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, the, I suppose, fourth generation and myself uh, is fifth generation. So, uh, he's also called Liam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So obviously a very proud day for you and uh, and great to see that your product is appearing in a bottle to, as well. Yeah. And I think this is a... I, I did say you were a kind of a high achiever, Jen, and you've decided to high achieve, hopefully, in whiskey, but that was... a. What was that, Young Entrepreneur or Entrepreneur of the Year for Tipperary? Yeah, young Entrepreneur of the Year at uh, Tipperary. Very good. 2016 or 2017, yeah. 2017. Yeah, obviously you can see uh, high-scale bottling. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, move things around a little bit to do the actual bottling, but that's all the equipment. Um, yeah. And that's our fermenters. Yeah, you've enough of them. I mean, it's, it's not that small. You were oh, telling me you had four stills. Yeah. No. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about those and the choice uh, and the reason? I mean, you're not going to quadruple the still, I don't think, but nope. uh, you've obviously got a lot of flexibility there. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about them? Do you want me to talk about them? They're, they're Hoga stills. Um, Hoga, Hoga are a Portuguese manufacturer. They're, uh, they've got three 800s and one 1,000. Um, and they are, I, d- I don't know if anyone's bought from Hoga, like they're they're really cool, but they come um, packed and they arrive on site. And uh, like, if anyone out there thinks that flat pack furniture is hard, <laughs> honestly, like I had a flat pack distillery arrive. Um, so yeah, me and Liam, mostly Liam. Yeah. Said it Where's Liam gone? He, he didn't yeah. want the, he didn't want the small chair. He wanted to be able to. Yeah. There we can see you now. 
teachers in here. Um, so like, let's, like literally we built it ourselves when it arrived. Um, so when Stuart started turning on the uh, boilers, um, <laughs> like they might not have been tightened enough. Um, I, th I think the, the plan behind them was to have two of them for whiskey, two of them available for other products if we wanted them. That's kind of what we decided to do. Yeah. In our philosophy that we always like creating new products. Uh, yeah. You know, that's part of why we do single cast as well. New products are so much more interesting. Yeah. How do you source your casks? Um, well, we buy from suppliers. And, yeah, I've visited uh, suppliers from uh, America to Spain to, in fact, the Ukraine and okay. all around the world. So there are those contacts for casks from wine, sherry, um, bourbon. But we also source reused casks, many of them from Scotland. So yeah. what we've got is a history of each cask that we lay down spirit in. We've got right. some really cool ones arrived last week. Really? So you're maturing on site. That's the other thing. I mean, you are doing everything from grain to, to maturation to bottling. So yeah. you have maturation on site. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We've got a little shed beside the farmhouse. Like, it's right. right beside our farmhouse. Um, Excellent. So you go out the side door and you go straight into the maturation shed. Yeah. Yeah. You'll Jen, do you don't mind if I ask, you, if I ask your father one question there in terms of uh, – you know, what are the significant and the biggest differences in dealing with a smaller distillery compared to the ones, the large ones that you would have worked with over the years? What's the fundamental difference? Um, probably the, the big, the biggest difference is, you know, the process is the same, exactly the same, but it's not dealing with a corporation. Yeah. What is the fundamental difference and being in 100% charge of every single aspect of it? And in many ways, you know, it's, there's absolutely no automation. So everything is, is handmade. Yeah. And that's the big difference. It's, it's just being in charge of your own destiny and looking, looking out for it. But handmade doesn't necessarily mean better. No, it, it doesn't. Quite agree. I mean, people that put down corporations, I worked uh, for 15 years with William Grants. Yes. And I'm a great advocate of all our products. They make fantastic products. Yeah. Uh, Diageo, another, you know, the biggest spirit producer in the world. Again, they make absolutely fantastic whiskies, most of which never reach uh, uh, single malts. The, the, the occasional single bottles come out. Sure, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's just handcrafted doesn't mean better. I agree. But the difference between what I'm doing now and what I've done in the past is the family ownership and just being in control of everything. Yeah, think, so you, you I can fall on your own sword. <laughs> just interject what Stuart said there. I think there's there's two major differences for me. The first one is that um, I can't offload a load of stuff to different departments that I would like to offload. Yeah. So you do end up with a lot of your time that you would like to spend thinking about distillation or about about the things that we're that we like working on. We end up 
spending on things that we don't want to spend time on. So like yes. filing reports or like doing, um, I don't know, applying for specific licenses or things, like things that we wouldn't, we would have hoped to have asked someone else to do. Yeah. You end up spending your time on those things. I think or something. But it actually also means you're 100% in control of what goes into that glass. Well, that was yes. a, that's a big difference. That was the second point I was going to make. Although you said, and I, I agree with you, like I think Wempedix a fantastic company. The grants are fantastic, and I think their products are brilliant. Do you not think when you're this small, you have the flexibility to try things and to try to experiment and to have a little bit more leeway than you would in a big company? You do personally. I mean, grants are not the best example because they are always experimenting. The number of experiments they have is unbelievable. But you do, you can really experiment now and we can try every single cask. Yeah. And we can try and buy casks from different places. We can try different cuts in the stills, different fermentation lengths, uh, mashing regimes. So all of these elements that go into to making up the whiskey can yeah. be changed. I mean, the other argument as well about um, single casks uh, as opposed to somebody doing a large production run of whether it's a single malt or a blend, they're looking for consistency. Mm-hmm. You don't have that noose around your neck to have to necessarily be consistent, which is a big advantage as well. I mean, if you do one, you know, one cask that isn't maybe as good as the others or one that's way better than the, you know, you're not going to be judged too harshly. But if, you know, if you're doing a, a long run of 100,000 bottles, you know, one bad batch can ruin the reputation of the whole series. I, so, think, yeah. I think there's a bit there, like you, one bad cask could ruin us, because that one bad cask is going to stand by itself. Whereas if it's bad, bad, yes, but I mean, yeah. if it's bad, bad, but I mean, if you, and I know you wouldn't release anything bad, but um, if one's not as good as another. But if our well, let's see. If far as if if what we're selling is consistency, if we're like we like all the things, but yeah. what we are selling is quality, is um sorry, not consistency, is quality and is complexity and is depth of flavor. I think we have to deliver that every time. Whereas if I have a bad cask That's and I have one of hundred thousand bottles, I can hide it in there. I can stick That's it in. That's also true. I, I agree with that, but I also agree that if you're making you're selling a, a million bottles a year or a million cases a year as the likes of Glenn Fiddick or Glenn Levitt do, then you have to make sure every single bottle is the same. It's identical, yeah. yeah. So that, that is a massive challenge. And the blenders behind that, and I know the two of them at Glenn Fiddick very well, mm. it's, it's a very demanding job to make sure they do that. Yeah. I mean, you have the pressure of having to produce great quality all the time, Jennifer, don't get me wrong. But you don't have the pressure of having to create the same every time. Yeah, it's a different kind of, you know. There's a yeah. question there from Scott. Uh, why Rioja? <laughs> and actually, there's another question. When are we going to sample que- uh, two? So I poured number two. But why Rioja? Hey, drink it. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's delighted. <laughs> Next whiskey. Why Rioja? Um, it's from one of Stuart's contacts. Yeah. Um, and it's from a certain bodega. It's a bodega Fustino. Um, I mean, tried their we tried their cast and we liked them. I don't know if you want to elaborate on that. I just well, I'd, I'd used them previously, as Michael said, for some young spirit. And yeah. 
our Glenn Glasser, we, we released, uh, I think it was a six-month-old product that came for a red wine cask that I really liked and then was going to release some three- and four-year-old and the business was sold on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I never got released. So I knew the quality of the casks. Yeah. And yeah. that's why we decided to buy them. And does it – I have to ask this question as well then. I mean, this is a fantastic whiskey at this age. Do you think, you know, if this whiskey had been in the cask another 10 years, it would be even better? I would say... Not that I would like to wait, sorry. (laughs) Some of of them may be in the cask another 10 years and they will be different. Yes. That's all. Won't say they'll be better or worse. They'll be different. Okay, take us out of our misery now and take us through to the second sample, please. Uh, and yeah, Jen, do you want to tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, so the second, sorry, the second sample is um, uh, it's from Rome Barley as well, it's from the same harvest, the 2016 harvest. But this is a first fill bourbon rather than yeah. a first fill Rioja, very different. Very, very oh, well, look, I mean, look at the color for a start. Anybody, you know, there's no there's no red there. What more? That yellowy hayish color, you know. Sorry, Liam. Gosh, there's more honey off that, uh, sweeter, definitely. It's a lovely whiskey. It comes through a little more nuttiness as well. Um, they're very, very, very different, aren't they? Um, but both equally as good as each other, put completely in their different, their different categories, I suppose, you know. And that, that's that's the beauty of it, I suppose. That's the beauty of cask, isn't it? What they do to whiskey. You know, they've got the same sort of it's the same distillate, different maturation. And even even the distillate. Taste a little bit different, you know, through the maturation. You know, you know, they still get the, you still get that the barley flavour coming through. Um, it's probably a bit more prominent in this. Um, yeah. This shows its youth a little bit more than, as opposed to the, the mm-hmm. wine cask, because the wine, the wine influence is a lot bigger than, say, the bourbon influence there. Is it the same distillers that went into suit? Yeah. yeah. They're exactly the same. They are literally, if you walk into our warehouse, um, the <laughs> warehouse, <laughs> <laughs> there's the Rioja cask is right ahead of you, um, second palette down, first one on the right-hand side, and that bourbon is the next palette over on the far left-hand side. So, the, like, the answer to the distillate is they are the same. Oh, yeah. No, they're, they're oh, that yeah. same distillate. But sorry, what yeah. I meant is the exact same kind of maturation ah, conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Other, like they're they're mm-hmm. literally, I'd say, 12 foot apart. Um, mm-hmm. And the only difference is the two the different cast. casks. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. while I, while I like um, keep on proclaiming terroir, like you can't deny the difference in the casks and these. No, of course. No, no. And, they're, they're more they're, I, I think they're both special, but they're both. For me, this is a uh, more creamy than I think than the, the the other one floats more on your on your palate. This one is richer in terms of uh, more syrupy, if, if that's a term. But um, I'll leave it to you guys that are the experts uh, to guide me, Michael. Well, I, I, I liked it because it's empty, so I must be. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. I would say it's more syrupy because I thought the first one was a lot more jammy and you know a lot yeah. of fruity and, and very coating around the palate and around the, the lips there. This is a bit more in the same same sort of area, but just a bit lighter. It's not as lip smacking, and I don't mean that in a bad way or, or, or even a better way. It's just it's a different style of whiskey. I think <coughs> for me, maybe so. Excuse me. <coughs> maybe a little bit longer. Uh, this this is something that will improve as it as it develops. And I think a lot of whiskies that are released young in bourbon casks can go on and improve and just become absolutely stunners. Um, you know, and I think this is a this is a good start to where we can see this progress. Um, and, and for me, I, I still and I, I still like that Rioja because I'm biased about Tipperary Rioja casks because they've been excellent for the last couple of years. Is this a first fill bourbon cask? Yeah, uh, it's a first fill bourbon. Um, yeah. And there's only 83 bottles out of this one. So, like, as Michael said, she's going to get a chance to mature a little wow. bit more. As... I think that's, that's what I liked about this, Jennifer. There's only 83 bottles out of this. So, it means the, it's the off license in Tipperary can let it mature for another year and release maybe some more from the cask. And then you can compare them side by side. And I, I know, I think, it was actually one of my favourite distilleries done that, I think, a few years back, Highland Park, you know, and they tried that. And I think that's that, for me, is a great experiment. If you take some whiskey out of a barrel and, and, and bottle it and then come back a year later and bottle some more and maybe come back a year, another year later and bottle it and, and have this sort of path, yeah. it's, it's never done because it's hassle to do that, isn't it, you know? That, that's something that's even that that excites me as well. Um, fair play to the guys in um, I forgot the name of the off license. Keepers off license and care. Yeah. For, for doing that. It's a great idea, you know. And it's, yeah, I think the other the well, other thing is that you don't do it because you can take a massive hit on the uh, evaporation. So like, it's, yeah. you're taking a huge hit doing it, but like it's a it is a really cool fun experiment to do. Yeah, I mean, is that one thing you want that uh, you want to do is more experimentation? Are you looking at casks beyond wines and uh, bourbon? Um, yeah, no, we we do. We've got sherry, porto, and Menudo down already, and we've got a we've got a rum cask rum. out. Um, we've got a range of we got a massive range of Scotch uh, ex Scotch whiskey distilleries in the other day. Um, okay. We all belong to dads. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not. I'm just going to stop you there. When's the lockdown over and when are we all go down to Tipperary? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll, send I'll send you a video of them offloading. Like it was I, want a I want to be in that warehouse on the video, drinking the whiskey. Actually, are you going to have a, are you going to have a visitor centre down there? Uh, no. Or are you just going to welcome people? No, because we spent all our money on the stills. Yeah, but if you like, normally what we say is that we don't have visitor center. But if you get in touch with us, we try to make sure we can accommodate people. Great. Okay, so you get the real rustic, natural experience. Yeah, pretty much. Like we're not telling you. In which you, there's not going to be a visitor center. But if you turn up, we'll try and look after you. Excellent. Okay. Well, look, we hope to make our way down. I, I I really like both. Actually, they're both very very different. Um. My preference myself would be for the first one because I think it's that little bit more complex. Um, but uh, I, Jane, 
I don't know. I like both. <laughs> it's <laughs> terrible. Tell, tell me, uh, I suppose I wanted to, uh, I'll ask all of you because uh, I wanted to see what your opinion was on, on Irish whiskey and if there's anything they can learn from Scotch and if there's anything Scotch can learn from Irish. So I suppose... I have to make it properly. Hey! <laughs> Do you want well, me to go first? I can put Michael on mute if that helps. Answer and like Stuart can give the serious answer, and then Michael can tell us why we're all wrong. Um, so I would say that like Scotch can definitely learn about experimentation from Ireland. I think that Ireland, conversely, and I know it sounds like I'm being hypocritical, but I, I'm genuinely being serious. I think Ireland can learn about um, about just that some how to phrase this that sometimes that things that are done well are fine and don't need to be messed with. So like yeah. sometimes like sherry casts are great, bourbon casts are great, wine casts are great, but sometimes you you need to find out like what you do well and do that so i think that's what we're trying to do just now we're trying to figure out what we do well mm-hmm. and do that yeah 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 but so i mean that will develop over time though surely jen what's that that's something that's going to be a, an ongoing process you know it, it, there's no end journey on that yeah but like i think i think that's what we're trying to do we don't want to do everything right now we want to be flexible we want to do some different things. We want to work in some pot still and some single malt. But our main our, our main aim right now is not to make all the whiskies. It's to figure out what we do well. And that's what we're going to do right now with the distillation. We're figuring mm-hmm. out how to make the best distillate we can make. Mm-hmm. And then repeat yeah. that. And then how to get the best casts out of that. And that is going to be an ongoing process. And it's going to have variations. But I think our main aim for the next while is how to make the best whiskey out of our equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's uh, yeah. Sorry, go on. You can... Yeah, no. For me, what can they learn? Um, I had a trip. I'm trying to think now. It must have been 1990, 1991. I was at Glenferry, and we had a trip to Middleton to learn about a new maturation technique they were using. So that is best part of 30 years ago. And Scotch and Irish whiskey were already. Um, talking ideas between the two of them. So yeah. these things are going on all the time. I would disagree with Jennifer in saying that there's more experimentation in Irish whiskey because Scotch whiskey, certainly very well, it's, it's, it's a legal, um, it's defined in law how you make Scotch whiskey. I don't think yeah. it's quite that legal in Ireland yet, but it certainly is defined in law in Scotland. Yeah. It's it's an act of parliament. But that doesn't stop people experimenting. People experiment all the time. Mm -hmm. But certainly both can learn from each other. I I can't define what, but Scotch is, you know, it's, yes, maybe Ireland made whiskey first. Scotch kind of stole the global crown during Prohibition. And they've just grown and grown and grown throughout the years. Yeah. And now Pernal Ricard and Diageo dominate the world. Yeah. But there's a lot for both to learn. And there's great opportunities for both. Yeah. 
there's high praise from Mark Murphy doing a bloody good job with these. Yeah, I have to agree. I really do. For the for the young whiskies that they are, they punch so far above their weight. They really are. I mean, I love that Rioja. I love that Rioja. I'm going to ask uh, Liam a question as well. Uh, uh, <laughs> firstly, uh, what's it like being married to uh, to Jen and and, and dealing with a uh, <laughs> all, all these difficulties around whiskey. And secondly, what's in the field? What strain of barley is out in the field at the moment? Yeah, well, I was just taking the second question there first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't mute Jen and keep you on, unfortunately. So, <laughs> and, and we, point, uh, when Stuart and Jennifer were talking about the distillation <laughs> side of it, like we're we're continue, continually learning on the farm as well. So, for our release here today, the variety of barley was used was Olympus. Yeah, uh, we've changed that variety last year. So in three years' time or two years' time from now, we'll probably have uh, it'll be a different variety on whatever release we have then, and yeah. and that may change again because I suppose we found that Olympus for a number of different reasons uh, from a farming perspective, and I suppose for ourselves here we wanted to we had done that for three years and we wanted to change it up. So yeah. it's not only the the stilling side of it, which I'm currently learning a lot about myself at the moment, but it's also the farming side of it because yeah. now we're creating a green making a food product and ourselves we're learning a bit more there whereas before we wouldn't have had that kind of i suppose interest or knowledge uh all right to jennifer uh it's incredibly exciting every day <laughs> <laughs> i heard you're learning about malting yeah and, and yeah and you touched earlier on we work closely with at garish mod uh Garrett no i mean in-house I, th- I heard you were going to be bringing malting in-house yeah. on the farm yeah, well, Jennifer was, was saying, yeah, yeah, and I do need some fitness work, all right. I, <laughs> that, but uh, I think floor malting and malting is another speciality that Garrett does very well. But like, it's that's I, I think you've got to take stage by stage. So currently, we're growing the barley and we're distilling it and maturing it. Like, um, malting is another aspect to it. George would have some familiarity with that with Balvenie, I think, that they draw malting, but Highland or Highland Park as well as uh, mm-hmm. uh, Michael's favorite distillery. Yeah. Uh, to uh, the, the, the <laughs> But touching on the the kind of first question with Jennifer, like it's it's like it's it's incredible to watch someone every day. Like you know, I I don't work full time at this myself personally, yeah. uh, and obviously in Scotland, and sure it's a huge you know asset to us and all that skills and experience might touch on around. But Jennifer, day by day, works just incredibly hard, I and mean, it's seven days a week. Took a huge risk, uh, yeah. huge bravery, and I I you know every day I just watch it, and it's very proud to have moments like now. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. you'll get a good Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> and Stuart, uh, what were your thoughts when you? <laughs> what, what were your initial thoughts when you when you thought uh, heard Jen- Jennifer was going to go into uh, set up a distillery and get into this business? Yeah, well, I, I think it was something we talked about uh, at the time. It was kind of it's actually Jennifer touched it on. It was actually Stuart who came over and saw the farm and was walking around and just highlighted and probably a passing comment and goes this would be a great location to build a distillery and you know yeah. it kind of passed off quickly and I suppose it was in the back of our minds we were thinking about it and I suppose as myself and Jennifer uh, got closer together and we travelled and started discussing things and it, you know that idea was in the back of our mind and Stuart was you know we felt with his skills and his experience we were in a very unique situation. Uh, yeah. When I brought that idea to my father who is a pioneer uh, that was quite an interesting <laughs> conversation <laughs> 
but he, he too has been incredibly supportive like like Stuart uh, you know you, your parents is a major part and they, he was very open to the idea and, and you know that's something we're very thankful of as well yeah just a quick question there from Mick who's asking is the barley produced on the farm is it a uh... Organic or close to being organic, or <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, my my quick answer to that, uh, and a very complimentary of anyone doing organic, it's a it's very well done. But uh, I I have a quick answer. I say to Jennifer every time, anyone who does who comes to me and recommends organic, they obviously don't drive to combine trying to harvest it. It's, right. Uh, okay. All it, right. So hats off to anyone who does organic. It's a it's a skill in itself, um, and it's something we may do at some point in the future. I wouldn't rule it out completely. I'm told yeah. if I go and buy more land, I'm allowed to do organic. Well, that's after you sell all your whiskeys first, John. So you need to yeah, buy a lot of whiskey. Sorry, sell a lot of whiskey to buy organic yeah. <laughs> land. Yeah. What What's the long term vision for the business? I'm not going to say it's a business because well, it is a business, but it's a obviously it's something you kind of ingrained in with you. Uh, it is a passion. I can see that. But what's the long term aim for? What's your ambition? Um, the long-term aim would be to have something. Do you want me to? Am I happy? Yeah. Um, the long-term aim for me, and like by the way, there's been a few things now that were controversial. Where like Stuart said he disagreed with me. We're going to go back after this. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We <laughs> can edit that out. Anyway. No. We can't edit. <laughs> um, the the long-term aim for me is to have a whiskey that is regarded as one of the best whiskies in Ireland. Um. I think we want to have both a single malt and a pot still, which regards one of the best whiskies in Ireland, consistently one of the best whiskies in Ireland, even as we're producing it in small quantities from the firm. And that's that's what I that's what I want. And that's what I want to see in 10 years' time, in 12 years' time. Even as we grow and we expand a little bit more, I want to see it still being that every single one is as good quality as the single cast that we do. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Yeah. Brian Green is asking a question there regarding your ambitions to do pot still. Uh, I, I presume it's Brian Green. Uh, if, if it's not, shout at me. But um, how's the pot stillation runs going, and what's the ratio of malted to unmalted? We had our first distillation today, and we're trying to start out like single malt. Brian, yeah, yeah. jumping the gun a little bit. And the other thing, do you plan to use other grains at any point? Uh, I, I kind of like now, and the lads are going to go to me. Jen, stop talking. But like, why wouldn't I? Because Liam grows other grains because we rotate our grains all the time. So we probably will when we're formulating the pot still whiskey that we come to. Um, but I know that Stuart just wants to get a single malt started first before yeah. I like well, start yeah. starting out yeah. my pot still. Um, yeah. So yeah, it just we will, but we just need to sort out. The single malt first. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask your dad a question again. So, Stuart, what are the what are the qualities that make a good distiller, regardless of where you are, uh, and what makes it, are the qualities that make a good distillery? I mean, you've seen you, you've obviously seen so many. What are those attributes that really make something stand out from everything else? Uh, I think for me, it's it's this. And to make a good, good distillery, you need enthusiastic people and people that are passionate about what they do. Yeah. And that's kind of the same for a good distiller. It's somebody that 
is absolutely passionate about making the best product that they can with equipment and at the same time always wanting to learn. I mean, throughout my life I've, I've visited other distilleries to try and pick up tips, look at what they're doing, experiment with products. And that's that's what it's all about. It's, it's all about, for me, it's all about passion. That is the most, the key element. So if you, and I, I've recruited a few distillers both and, you know, help people in their way, I like to think. They're both male and female. And it's, it's about the passion that they bring and the yeah. desire to improve themselves in the product. And that's really... Uh, uh, I suppose one final question, and then uh, uh, you, you touched on women there. Um, yeah. Have you faced any issues at all, Jen, as being uh, a female owner of a distillery, a female manager, or in the industry? Have you come across any of the, you know, all the scandal around Jim Murray's comments, and sometimes you, you see other, or you've never made an issue out of the fact? But I'm just wondering, have you come across any? Um. I think that I I think that there's in general women are treated differently in society. I don't think anyone can can argue that that's the case. That they are, we are, mm. um, and some people prefer dealing with guys. Some people take it badly if you complain about something if you're a female. Um, and yeah, look, you're you're treated you're generally treated differently if you're a female. Um, and your reactions are treated differently. But I don't think that it is um, different in the whiskey, specifically the whiskey industry. It's just life in general. That's Life in general as opposed to, yeah. 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 Now, I will say, like, the alcohol industry, the vast majority of the time I'm sitting behind a desk doing this, or yeah. I drive to a lot of tastings uh, when they're not online, and so I wouldn't be drinking at tastings. Mm. Um so I disappear afterwards and I don't have to deal with the fallout um, that people have to deal with if they're sitting around the table drinking with everyone or like, or the fallout that I used to feel like when I worked in bars, like that's an entirely yes. different thing. And that is, yeah, that's a million miles away from the area of the whiskey industry that I'm in just now. Yeah. Um, but the rest of it is, and I don't want to dismiss it because like being female in society is, it's just a little bit harder but like it is what it is so you just I don't know I just kind of feel like that you have to get out there if you're female and you have to be seen to be out there and you have to be seen to be doing things so that as younger people come through they see people in those positions or see females mm. in those positions and they can see themselves in that and they can and she says reaching over <laughs> people's faces uh they can see themselves in those positions so that yeah. they can aim to be that way yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you look. I mean, I, I think part of the success, certainly, of, of uh, Tipperary, is the fact that you are such a profound role model for a lot of younger women and, and women in general to show that look, I can go out and do this. Uh, I don't have to make an issue out of it. I uh, just work hard, stick my head down, and and produce the results. So I, I think that's that's a huge uh, bow in your armament so congratulations for that i i won't uh, i don't want to be in the situation where i was last week where i ran out of battery <laughs> and, and leave you stranded but look uh, from, from my side uh i just wish you all the very best success going forward i mean the journey really starts now 
uh, I think uh, I think this is an amazing start. Uh, I think uh, as for yourself, Jennifer, I, I'm sure it's a huge occasion. And for your, your father and your husband there, I mean, they must be so immensely proud of what you've done. I'm sure it makes it all the more special. It's a family business. And uh, we wish you every success in the future. And Michael, I've nothing to say to you, uh, but no, no, Michael has been very patient. He hasn't been getting the limelight. Um, oh, provides, I'm here. <laughs> he provides a fantastic service, really, if anybody, uh, you know, these are difficult times, so we should be supporting local. Uh, El Mulligan Whiskey Shop is where the whiskey will be available. I'm sure it'll fly out the door. Uh, Michael's been a tremendous ambassador for Irish whiskey. And uh, thank you very much for giving us the honor of sharing this experience with you. Really means a lot. So uh, I'm looking forward to be able to come down. I'm looking forward to try the more of that whiskey. Uh, yeah. Do you want to leave it with anything in your head there, Jen? I'll let you have the final word. Uh, I will say that um, boxes like this are very easy to wrap for Christmas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. We, Right, well, that was easy. In a package. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that's nice. It will make a lovely Christmas gift. I really hope you have every success with it. It deserves it, genuinely. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm usually praising a whiskeys that are on the show, but this is exceptional. So, uh, I mean, in the future, the future is very bright. Uh, if you start off this way. So, uh, thanks for letting us show your... Fantastic products and uh, best of luck. Stay safe, everybody. And uh, we'll catch next week on the show. Actually, we have um, another distillery uh, and we'll fill in those details later. But we let you go. Um, thank you very much and stay safe, everybody. Slauncha, by the way. Slauncha. Slauncha. Every success. Hmm. My samples run out, Michael. Okay. Thank you very much, everyone. Give you. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Okay. So thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. I, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I really do think it's a fantastic whiskey, and I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of Tipperary in, in the future. I'm sure it'll be fantastic. And uh, if you do wish to purchase the bottle, it's ellenmulliganwhiskeyshop.com. Uh, Thank them for uh, sharing this experience with them. It's not every day that a distillery opens and releases uh, their own spirit. And finally, um, we, as I said, we'll be announcing the winner of the competition that we had with Powerscourt tomorrow on our website. And next week, our guest it will be Bernard Walsh, the man behind the Irishman and Riders Tears whiskey. So that should be very interesting. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, they produce some fantastic whiskies, and uh, that's it. In the meantime, everybody stay safe. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you next week. Good night.